welcome to the Great Big Yes podcast. Today I talked to Tasha Wall. She is the wife of the artist Eric Wall, who is a fantastic artist, and um, maybe you've heard of him or seen his work. It's amazing. Uh, but she's an artist in her own right and just very inspirational and encouraging voice. She loves the Lord and she studied with Richard Rohr, which we had a lot to talk about. Honestly, 40 minutes went by so fast, I could have talked for like two more hours. Uh, but the reason that I found her is my husband, um, at one of his corporate events, they had Eric Wall as an, a guest. And my husband said, you're really, really going to love this guy. And so I started following him on Facebook and kind of looking at all of his work. And I reached out to him on Facebook and she got back to me and um, said that he wasn't able to do the podcast, but would I want to talk to her? And as I started to look her up and read about her and her book, I was just blown away. Of course, I want to talk to her. She's amazing. And um, we have a lot in common. We've both been married 23 years. We both have three teenagers. Um, just a lot of um, kind of life experiences that are similar. We both love Jesus. And she's just got a really great way of talking about faith and God and Jesus and raising the kids and art and uh, charity and tithing and just kind of every topic that we covered. Um, I just found myself nodding and saying yes and amen. So I hope that you enjoy. Here's Tasha. All right. Hi, Tasha. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. I just want to start by telling the listeners kind of how this happened. Um, I was just kind of inspired to um, contact Eric Wall about um, being on the podcast because I'm inspired by his art and kind of what he's doing and you got back to me and said that um, he wasn't able to do it but that you would be happy to talk to me about the foundation and about the butterfly effect and so um, as I just looked deeper into that I was like of course like this is the perfect fit and you are the person <laughs> I am supposed to be talking to so I just love how God does that and um, I just wanted to tell that part of the story because I want to encourage people if they feel like reaching out or they feel like making a phone call or sending an email, um, that they should do that and that something beautiful will come from it, even if it isn't what they had originally expected. Amen. I agree. Yep. Amen. I think a lot of times we're prompted to do things and we don't act on them because of fear Yeah. and think, Oh, what if somebody says no? Or what if they think I sound stupid or what if, what if, what if? And I think so often I've found that the majority of times that I've reached out and taken a risk, it has always turned out just like you said. Yeah. It's like the person I'm supposed to be talking to at the right timing. And a lot of times if I get a no at the time, um, it turns into a yes later, right? Which is not yet. much better anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, I would love to just start by having you kind of introduce yourself and what you do to the audience who may not know who you are. So go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, my name is Tasha and I am the executive producer for the wall group. So Eric, who is my husband, we've been married for 23 years oh um, is a keynote speaker and an author and an entrepreneur. He's also a graffiti artist. And we kind of built this business together, had an early midlife crisis when he was 29. And he just could not keep on doing what he was doing. And I looked at him and just thought, okay, well, this isn't working. What are we going to do? And he knew it too. And so we basically called his parents and said, we had this 
crazy idea that we want to try. And if it doesn't work, can we move in with you? <laughs> and, they, and they said, absolutely. Please bring those three beautiful grandchildren to us. We had three boys at the time. They were one, three, and five. Um, and I just remember sitting with Eric and thinking, okay, if we can just like figure out a way to make this work, all we need to do is have peanut butter sandwiches and eat top ramen for dinner and just be together. Like we can do this. Right. So we gave it a go. And between he's incredibly talented and motivated and I am his biggest fan and I don't have a background in marketing. I don't have a background in producing, but I believed in him and I believed in this message that we were trying to share. Yeah. And within two or three years, it took off in a way that we couldn't have ever possibly imagined. So fast forward about 10 years and everything has been, you know, amazing and successful and we've had so much fun and the art is really starting to take off. And one day, we were on a graffiti tour. I had set up a tour in London. We, tra- we traveled the world for a living. And we kept saying Eric was a graffiti artist because he paints so quickly. But we really didn't know as much about the graffiti world other than just being enamored with these pieces. So we went on a street art tour. And yeah. I felt like I had been allowed into this exclusive museum that wasn't exclusive at all, that everybody could go and visit yeah. And I'm walking around and I'm getting all these ideas in my head. And I'm thinking, why is Eric the only one that gets to be an artist? Like, <laughs> I, I'm an artist. Like, right. I can do this. I, I can. And so I just started these ideas that day of I want to figure out a way to incorporate me and who I am and my personality into this art world. And so... Um, we've been talking about starting a foundation for a while. We've always tithed. It's been a huge, huge part of who we are. My parents brought me up when I was a little, little girl, 10% always of every birthday check, Mm, um, money that that. I earned washing the car, anything. Like if I earned a dollar washing the car, I got 65 cents of it because 25 cents went to savings and 10% went to tithe. And when it became a significant amount of money, my dad would sit us down and he'd say, okay, you know, you have $10. Here are these different opportunities for where you could give it. And so we'd kind of talk through what was it that we wanted to give to. So by the time I was a teenager, it was just second nature. I didn't like it. I wasn't happy about the fact that I was doing it, but it was just what I did. And really then, so when Eric and I got married, it was just what we did. It was 10% is the first of everything that we made was going back to something that broke our hearts or lit us up. And so with ties, our whole marriage that had never really gotten to do anything substantial, like call it a foundation. And so that I kind of just got this idea. I'm like, okay, I want to start a foundation. I want it to be about art. I want it to be about inspiring others to give back. And, um, that's when I started, my dad called me butterfly growing up and I thought, what if I do like a scavenger hunt or something? And I, I'll attach like some, amount of money to it. But instead of winning the money, you can donate the money to the charities of choice. And so it just kind of evolved into this thing called the butterfly effect that I had originally started because I have all these teenagers here all the time. So our boys are now 20, 19 and eight, 17. And, but there's teenagers here. It's a house of boys. Front door is always open. The fridge is full. It's just one of those places that they come to. And so we were sitting around talking about tithing and giving, and none of them knew what it was. So that's what kind of sparked my idea. I was like, what if I 
like hide something for them. They have to get up off their butts, go find it, but then they'll get to give the money to charity in their name. And so it just kind of started and it also took off in a big way. And then the more that I did it, the more I started getting like, oh, the street art tour was where I got this idea to put art up where the public could see it and then have it, but have it be something, you know, that they could take back with them. And then I started experimenting with, well, now I, now I like, I want to be a street artist. So I'm going to start putting up these massive interactive wall butterflies that you stand in for social media and you take your picture in it and you talk about how you're the change. Yes. I saw that on Facebook and I was thinking, cause I'm in Austin, Texas and we love street art. And I was thinking, have you done one here at all? Have you ever been to Austin, Texas? No. Oh, you I need have to been do- to Austin and I love it. And I would love to come and do one there. I haven't done one yet. So yeah. why don't I come and you can help me set it up. <laughs> I would really love fun. it. And then you can be a street artist too. I would love um, it. And how do people find you? Is It's the butterfly effect on Facebook, right? I found it there. Right. Right. Okay. It's the butterfly effect, but you have to follow it up. But it's butterfly effect, be the change. Okay. So I love Gandhi's be the change yes. you want to see in the world. Amen. And that's kind of the direction that I tried to take this. The butterfly effect basically states it's Edward learns a scientific theory that when a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the earth, it moves molecules of air that moves molecules of air that moves molecules of air that in turn can cause a hurricane on the other side of the planet. So in mm-hmm. essence, Every little thing that we do matters. And so my point is that you can make a choice every day to be the change that you want to see, whether it's treating someone different, honestly, whether it's just loving yourself better that day, because the more, I think we all are so hard on ourselves. And when you're hard on yourself, you're frustrated and you're tired and you don't feel good. And it's really hard to treat other people well. So to start accepting ourselves and loving ourselves, but then reaching out and doing something kind For somebody else, whether it's giving 10% of your money, 10% of your time, 10% of your talents, there are so many different ways that we can give back. Yes. Um, So that's kind of, it's Butterfly Effect, Be the Change. There is a website, there is a Facebook page, and then every month I choose a different charity that all of the proceeds from our store go to. So last month it was American Cancer Society because I did a massive installation for them at the Mall of America. This month is Julian Charter School, which is a set of 19 schools in San Diego that have last year, they did butterfly effects at every single school every Friday. Yeah. And so they did their own butterfly effects. And so it's going to them. So there's every, every time I go on a run or hop in the pool, yeah. I come up with a different idea of how can we keep on spreading this and how do we want to inspire others to become a part of this? And honestly, I don't care. If it's under my name or butterfly effect, I just want to inspire people to get out and do something yes. with their ideas. Like you said, you were prompted yes. to make this crazy ask yeah. and this is how it turned out. And I think that's the kind of thing I've just learned over and over again. Follow up on those promptings, just listen yes. to them and, well, and act. Right. And I think what you said about the ripple effect, about the butterfly effect is what I, w- I just did another podcast and I was talking to her about just the ripple effect in our yes. So when we say yes to the prompting, when we say yes to a greater calling on our lives, then other people see that and they want to do it or they, or it just opens doors or creates a whole new thing that never existed before. So other people can step into their um, calling as well. So it is, it's, we're all connected and we, we really rely on each other to say yes to those promptings. So the world can be what God wants it to be. 
you know? Exactly. And we can't do it on your, we cannot do it on our own. I love, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I just think I've learned over this experience of the last really 15 years of growing our business, anytime that I try and take something on and think that I'm in control of it and I can handle it and I can do everything, it just doesn't work because you're not collaborating. You're not allowing other people to come in with their giftings. Yes. So as soon as you can be open to accepting help, to seeing other people's gifts, maybe just to helping them find what it is they're supposed to do. That's right. It changes everything. Yes. I have a question about the tithing because I think that's so interesting Um, because I grew up knowing what tithing is too, but I wasn't always so diligent about doing it in my life. Um, Okay. So I think that's interesting that you said, you know, the teenagers, because I am the same as you. I've been married 23 years. I have three teenagers, so similar um, stages of yeah. our lives. And, and I was thinking when you said the kids didn't know what tithing is, um, I know what it is. It's giving 10%. It's scriptural, um, giving it back to the Lord first. Right. Um, mm-hmm. do you think that's something that has sort of kind of died in the church as far as being discussed? Because I don't really feel like they're discussing that as much as they used to, like when we were kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. It's a really interesting idea and concept, I feel like, for churches. I think it depends on what kind of church you go to and what your pastor was brought up with and possibly what denomination. Yeah. Um, our, our church definitely talks about it, um, but it's also there's this idea then scripturally that you're supposed to give back to the church. And my, um, both my grandpas are Baptist, were Baptist preachers, and my dad is a missionary. And so I was brought up with this very strict idea. But my parents always taught us to ask questions. And I have found that when you ask people to give to something that they're not excited to give to, they're just, it's not interesting to them. That's right. I think that you have to ask yourself the question, what lights me up and what breaks my heart? And when you can figure out, like, what makes you come alive when you're doing it and what just breaks your heart when you see it, like, what would you want to change in the world? Yeah. If you can give to either of those two things, you're going to want to tithe far more than 10%. Very true. So whether or not the church is saying, you know, this is biblically something that you're supposed to be doing, I do believe that if I'm going to follow what Jesus asked me to do, that I'm going to share what I have. And I, when I tell the kids about this, I say, Okay, if you had 10 cookies and I asked you to give one to a person that didn't have it, would you give them a cookie? And they all go, well, yeah, totally. I would totally give them a cookie. And I say, okay, well, what if it was $10 and I asked them to give you one? And they have to think about it. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, I'd give them a cookie. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry, I'd give them a dollar. Yeah. And then they said, but that's not significant. Like, what's a dollar going to do? And that's when I said, well, if it's your birthday and you got $100, you don't need the whole $100. You can give $10 to someone who has no dollars at all, and it's going to make a huge difference to them, and it starts adding up over time. Yeah. And so I think when they see it in that way and they're able to understand, oh, like it's a concept of something that you have to do over time. It's not just that one time. Yes. So it's this monthly idea. And there is something, I mean, I don't like the idea of, you know, this, Ooh, if I do this then God is going to do this for me and right. he's going to bless me because I'm chatting. Like, I just like don't he's think not that's a vending the way machine. it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. exactly. And he's not, God is not it for me. God is not 
a big Santa Claus in the sky that when I pray, I give my laundry list to. God is inside of me, living incarnately through me, as me. He created me. And so I am his hands and his feet and his mouth. And how can I share what I have with his other children or his, you know, creations? That's what tithing is to me. Tithing isn't this like, oh, I got to write this check. Oh, I have to go volunteer. Oh, I have to do this. It's living into my purpose of who I'm supposed to be because that's who God made me to be. God made me. I love teaching art to kids or I did when my boys were little like I loved directing the children's musical yeah I did not like sitting on the PTA I did not like being in charge of vacation bible school yeah I did not like um cutting papers and you know I forget what that job was like the copy mom who you know could do all this and touch (laughs) it no drove me crazy like that's not my thing right um so you have to figure out what your thing is and if we can start looking at tithe as all kinds of giving, not just giving of our money. I sure. think it would change the conversation entirely. And right. then not forcing our kids. I think a big thing right now, especially with teenagers, you got to get these volunteer hours for yes. college. You've got to get this on your resume. You've got to. And I remember with my first, I really did. We had this thing called Teen Volunteers in Action, which is a wonderful organization. I messed it up because I forced him mm-hmm. to go, okay, we're going to go do the hospital today. And now we're going to clean up the beach. And now we're going right. to work with kids with disabilities. And he really disliked much of it, mainly because I was making him go until we finally came upon this one group of refugees Mm. where the kids would basically go and do homework with them and play soccer. And he loved it. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have figured this out in the beginning. Then it's all he needs to be doing. Right. So with my other ones, I've been able to watch what is it they enjoy and then just encourage them to go do that because it makes them come alive and it makes them feel good, not because they're being forced to do it. And tithing should be like that. If you give money to someone that doesn't have it and you see the joy in their face or you see a kid get a pair of soccer cleats that really needed one when your kid has three pairs and they are realizing, you know what, I actually need three pairs of soccer cleats. I'm going to make this one last three months longer so that I can help buy this pair for someone else it makes them feel so good they want to keep doing it again it's completely contagious and it's something that it should be something that we want to do not an obligation it's not an obligation it's a gift yes and it comes out of the generosity of our own heart when we it's kind of like forgiveness when we realize how much the lord has forgiven us and offered us mercy and grace then the only prop proper response is to turn around and offer mercy and grace to other people. Like we're compelled to do that because we know how good it feels to be forgiven. Exactly. Right. So it's like the generosity of our heart. Like we can't help it. Like we've been like, you just want to share it. And so I love that. And I love the butterfly effect kind of in that um, idea as well. It's doing something fun. It's doing something exciting. It's um, creative and, but it's giving and, and I agree, it's not always about money, but it's time and talent and treasure. It's all that we have that is really the Lord's anyway. Yes, I, I, I agree. And when you're living into who you are and who he made you to be, it's not hard. Right. It, it may be hard. It's like going to the gym. It might be hard the first two or three times that you go, but after a while, it just becomes part of your routine. If you decide to go serve the homeless every Sunday, the first few times you're like, oh, I'd way rather be home watching the football game or I'd rather I want to sleep in. But once you do it a few times, you'll find 
you're planting a seed that is growing joy and you will want to go over and over again. You just have to get to know the people that you're helping. It just can't be some nameless cause or this nameless, I don't know, source across the ocean that you gave your money to. It should be a person and a life that you're truly changing. Yes. And then you feel more invited and you should then be so inspired by it that you want to tell other people about you or about whatever it is that you're doing. Right. And I found with butterfly effect, when I, I keep like in the beginning, I just thought, oh, yeah. cause I, I can't help compare everything I'm doing with what Eric's doing. And his stuff is so much bigger than my stuff. Right. And I look at it and I think, why can't I grow my foundation? And why can't I grow my fan base? And he's so amazing and supportive of everything I'm doing, but he's been doing this for 14 years with me kind of being the wind beneath his wings, not yes. to be corny, but that's no. the way that it works. <laughs> totally. Um, <laughs> I hear you girl. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so it's like, well, well now what? But I realized, you know what? I don't need a lot of people. I just need people who love the idea and yeah. who want to share this as much as I want to share it. And there's these two women who, if I get hit by the proverbial bus tomorrow, they'll keep Butterfly Effect going without me because they're so passionate about it too. I love that. And that's all you need is to find people who loves something as much as you do. And even for me, like if a school calls me and says, Hey, we just love your butterfly murals. Can we get a stencil and put some butterflies up so kids can start like taking pictures in it and posting what they've done to be the change? Absolutely. And you know what, if that is the only thing they have to do with butterfly effect, I'm completely fine with that because then they will take it and grow it in their own way for their particular school. Yes. And I love that. I don't need to hold on to the outcome. Totally. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, One of the things that I um, recognized when I was reading your, oh, I want to tell the people that are listening just so they kind of understand the context here. Um, When I first talked to you, you offered to send me a book, um, the new book that you and your husband um, have, and it's beautiful and gorgeous. I'm going to post pictures of it on the website when I post this, but um, I read through it and just some of the things that you were saying, I was so moved by um, and I just loved it. One of the things that you said, you said church isn't the place or time that you go. It's a lifestyle. Yes. And I love that. And, and I, one of the most interesting conversations to me is sort of religion and spirituality and Jesus and walking with the Lord and how walking with the Lord is different than religion. Mm-hmm. And I find it, I, I feel like we're at this point in our country and in our world and in our collective soul that we're all kind of questioning. And a lot of us grew up in church and I, and I know that you did, and you said your dad was a, did missions work and um, mm-hmm. you're a Baptist and all of that. And so I guess my question for you is how do you, how would you want your kids to kind of walk away um, what do you want them to know about God, about Jesus? Yeah, that's such a good question. I just was having this conversation yesterday with a really dear friend of mine who's in the same kind of position where she's like, I just, church is, is not where I'm feeling called to go, but it's so important to me that my kids are brought up yeah. with a faith and, and they know who they are. Um, so for me, Personally, I think that it's really important that as children, so let's say from the time they're born until they're 10 or 12, that we build them a very strong container. 
mm-hmm. and that this that we take them to a place where they feel loved and safe. They hear the stories, we read them the Bible stories. And this is personally for me because I want them to have part of my heritage. It's important. That's who I am and what I was brought up with. Um, I've read them all of the Narnia books multiple times. Um, Anything that we can get our hands on that's allegorical so that it's not just about the Bible stories. And I think the Bible can be translated in so many ways. And honestly, as they get into junior high and high school, it's a little bit scary. Some of the translations that I hear, I wouldn't go to some of the youth groups that I've sat in on. And I don't want them exposed to that. And I also had a personal experience in high school where going to church led me so far away from my faith Mm. that I'm, I, there's a fear in me that that's what will happen to them if I force them to go someplace they don't want to be. Right. So we've started doing home church. Um, we watch NUMA videos and OOMA. They're amazing. Um, and talk about them as a family. They do young life. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, I just want them to know who you are is enough. I want them to understand grace. I want them to understand that their faith or my, I guess I want their faith to be their own faith. I don't want it to be something I taught them. So that my faith, I need them to understand is experiential. And I've only gotten to where I am because I have experienced through my life that God's love is a gift. And it's, this isn't a world of meritocracy. And I think our churches and our schools and our systems teach them that it's all about earning an award, earning, 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 earning. And that's not what faith is about. Faith is about having a non-dual mindset about yes. And about not thinking that you're always right about everything. And I tell them all the time, the older I get, the less I know. I don't know the answers. God is so much bigger than I ever thought he was when I was their age. And I have grown in my faith so much. The one thing I'm sure of is that he will never leave me or forsake me. That doesn't mean he's going to protect me. That doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to me, to their friends, to our family. It just means that you will work through it. And I have found over time that I can look back on the hardest things that we've gone through and say, oh my gosh, that had to happen because I was holding on to that thing so tightly and I had to learn to let go so that this new growth would happen. And Mm. when you learn to integrate the negative, when the negative is coming at you and you're like, okay, 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 this this feels terrible, but I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to grow from it. And at the time I kick and scream, I'm Seriously, I'm not great at going through the negative, right. but I know enough that I've been through it and I can come back out on the other side, a softer, gentler, more kind person. I don't think that we grow much, unfortunately, in times of abundance, we grow in times of scarcity. And so I just want them to know that who they are, where they are in life, what they're doing is enough, that they're always loved, that God is a God of grace, that he's big enough for all of us. Yeah. And, and I guess hopefully that they know that Eric and I will always love them, no matter what the choices that they make, because that is the reflection of God's love looking down at us. It's just, I feel like sometimes we get all like, pretend you're a five-year-old little girl and you get your mom's costume jewelry on and her high-heeled shoes and you put lipstick on as best you can as yeah. you're five and you walk out and you're like, look, mom, look at dad. Aren't yeah. I so beautiful? And they look at you and they lovingly hug you and they pull off the jewelry and wipe the lipstick off your face and they look at you and they say, yes, you are beautiful because yeah. that's who we are. Like we're just dressing up with all these trappings and, yes. and you know, jewel- whatever to try and be 
something for the world and we're already enough right now. Yeah. So oh. that is such a long answer. Girl, to amen. Think about church. Oh. <laughs> but that's why I think church is life. Church isn't someplace that you go. Church is every day being with the people that are in your life and loving them where they're at. And that will teach you so much about yourself. I believe that will change who you are far more than going and sitting in church on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with sitting in church on Sunday, but I think that church is an ongoing everyday experience, not just a place that you go. It's, it's who you are and how you live. And that's, that's how we grow. And I, I think that's what Jesus meant for it to be. Yes. I mean, there weren't great big, huge mega churches back when, no. when he was starting out. <laughs> right. Right. No, totally. And what I love, um, everything you just said is just so beautiful and yes, yes, yes. I agree. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, and I know that is a big theme for you guys, is experiencing things, experiential. Um, so for me, experiential worship is something that I love. I teach holy yoga, which is yoga to scripture oh. and prayer. And um, so for me, I met God most succinctly and just in a real fresh encounter on my yoga mat. And so for me... Uh, really entering in with your whole body and your whole self, right? Body, mind, soul, strength uh-huh. um, is the way that he calls us to worship. And so a lot of times, even with my kids, like I want them to know that this isn't something that we box in on a Sunday morning, right? Like we, this is all of us. Like he wants our entire being to worship him. And so our life is like this dance of worship, like whatever we're doing. So whether you're doing art or whether you're, we're doing a podcast or you're just talking to a friend or you're going to school, the whole thing Mm -hmm. is just a gift, like an offering to God um, in Thanksgiving for what you've been given. So it's this beautiful, joyful, peaceful um, exchange. Does that make sense? Yes, a hundred percent. And I, I, I love that that's what you do because I am a diehard body pump, run, swim, yeah. whatever. And about three years ago, I had this recognition that I had to slow down in my physical workout. And so yoga is where I found myself. Yes. And oh my goodness, it is such a spiritual experience. Yes. So I'm not surprised that that's what you do. I love that that's what you do. I think that's amazing. And I wish that there was more of it available because so many people are afraid of the word yoga. That's right. It's like it's some Hindu, mm-hmm. I don't know where, and I'm like, I guess that yoga actually mean, or maybe it's it means to yoke. But, it means to yoke. It, the word actually means okay. to yoke. Yeah. But honestly, I, I know what you're saying. And I think there's so much fear around the unknown for people, right? So like, there's not a doubt in my mind that when I started practicing yoga, the Lord led me there because it healed me from my anxiety. You know, it taught me to breathe. Yeah, no, it I believe it. taught me to meditate. And I've seen it heal so many other people. And Currently, I I just went through trauma-sensitive holy yoga training where I get to work with survivors of sex trafficking here in America, in Texas. Um, I get to do holy yoga with them where they can reconnect with their bodies, reconnect with their breath, and have the word of God spoken over them and be in a community of prayer and support. And it's this beautiful healing experience. And so when people criticize the practice of yoga I just I'm kind of dumbfounded because I'm like just try it (laughs) just try Uh it right like just show up and try it because it's so good um yeah oh my gosh I agree with you I if you know of one in San Diego let me know and maybe when I come to Austin I would love to come to one of your classes because it's just I agree with you 
so strongly about yoga, meditation, being quiet in our country. We go and we go and we go and we go and we don't slow down. And that's part of church being daily too, right? It's slowing down enough to stop that crazy voice that's in our heads all the time telling us what to do, that we're not enough, that we're not, we're not being enough, doing enough. Or for me, I'm a list girl Mm -hmm. and the list can take over. And I think I jeopardize relationships on the days that I don't stop and meditate and take time for centering prayer because I'm so about getting stuff done as opposed to being with the people in my life, which if I look back and Eric will call me out on it, he's like, "Hun, you're jeopardizing. You're so good at doing so much, but you're jeopardizing people. You like my, my dad had this nickname in Africa. (laughs) I called him, Chikafumwa. I don't know if I if we've put okay. this in the book, and it means the thing that hurries. Oh my um, goodness! He was in the Peace Corps, and they called him that for a year before he figured out what it meant. Oh, and wow. my dad, my whole Moffat side of the family, mm-hmm. we are doers. If you need stuff done, you sign us up for it. Yes. But we jeopardize the people around us in the process because we're so good at getting stuff done. And so yoga, meditation, center and prayer. It slows us down. And honestly, don't you feel like it takes your mind off of yourself for a little while and just opens it up to the other possibilities that there's other people in the world who are just as beautiful and important as you are? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. Yes, it's very humbling. And that's where, you know, and I love just the metaphor of like the being on your mat and being like in child's pose, like what a beautiful place to be, right? Humble before the Lord. Humble. um, Just ready for whatever he has for you and open and, um, yeah, no. And, and I love in scripture, it says that, um, in rest and stillness, you will find your salvation. And for me, Mm -hmm. that's one of the most, again, same as you, uh, the very challenging for me to stop. Um, but yoga has really taught me that. And, And like anything else, it's called a practice because we have to practice. It's not something that comes natural to us to stop and just listen but it's in those times where I think the greatest inspirations come and you hear from the Lord in a way that you never could if you just keep running and running. Exactly. I agree 100%. Awesome. Well, and then one other thing I saw in your book, well, there were so many things. I was like, oh, I love every bit of it. But I, I read that you guys love Richard Rohr. At the time, you must have been reading a lot of Richard Rohr. And he is one of my favorites. Oh, he is. Yes. I just graduated from the living school. Oh my gosh. So I just spent two years studying under Richard and Jim and Cynthia, and it has been life-changing for myself as well as for Eric, because he basically got every lecture as I went, because I had to transpose it and go, you've got to hear this, it's so good, what do you think? And so we would bind and loose. Um, for two years, we did this oh, and it is, I, I can't amazing. recommend it. If you like Richard, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, it is, it, it really has changed our entire spirituality, our outlook, who yes. we are. I met and that, you know what? I went to the living school and I thought, oh, here's my church. I just found yes. my people. Yes. <laughs> I found my people. Oh, I love that. Um, and something like holy yoga would be so welcomed there. Um, oh, it's, I love it's, that. There's only, we were only the second class to go through. So they're just um, getting their fourth class is going through right now. It's a cheer program. And, um, but yes, Richard has probably been the most influential teacher of the last three or four years um, for us. And then I think, you know, just like uh, growing up, it was, it was for sure 
C.S. Lewis. Yes. And um, uh, who wrote Heidi? Uh, that book is one of the most spiritual books I've ever read. I can't remember her I name right now. I don't remember. Jo- Joanna, Joanna Speary. Okay. Um, and Louisa May Alcott, Little Women. Yep. Um, Elizabeth Googe is another one of my favorite authors. God has always spoken to me through books. Yes. And I have found that when I cannot find him in church, I find him through the pages of a book. And so he has sustained me through the years that our church just didn't feel like the right place for us anymore yeah. through, you know, people like Richard Rohr and Rob Bell and yes. the, the Shack, another one yes. of my favorite books. Um, but I just can read those books and find this. It's not an alternate theology. It's just a different set of eyes to see God yes. through. For and I've sure. needed that. Well, we Um, all need that. And I think sometimes what I want to encourage people as well is just to, wherever you are, it's it's okay. And none of it's wasted. All the things you learned, right? So I think sometimes I see people kind of condemning their childhood faith or condemning what their parents believed or totally turning and saying, well, I'm not going to do this or that. Well, that path is okay because... God is still pursuing you and loving you. Mm-hmm. You are still his, you know, and yep. um, it's okay. Like I, I think I, you know, as far as loving your neighbor and it all starts right with loving ourselves too and offering that grace to ourselves and saying, you know, I don't have to have it figured all out. I, I can't possibly have it all figured out. God is a mystery in so many ways. But like you said earlier, you know, who we are enough. So we don't know who we are until we know whose we are. And so when we start there, you know, I am a child of the King, right? Like the creator of the universe loves me and is for me and is cheerleading for me right now on the sidelines. Um, And he understands where we go. He understands what we kind of, maybe if we meander off the path and, and he leads us back. And so um, with religion and that whole conversation, I just want there to be like no, judgment on it like it you know it evolves and we all evolve and and but I love what you said is you wanted to give your kids a container at the beginning of their lives right because mm-hmm. we have to give them you know I, I, I talk to parents sometimes they're like well I just want them to choose what what they want to believe well yeah you want them to make their faith their own but if they have nothing they've never been taught anything then it's really confusing it's almost like you have to give them something to rebel up against if they're going to rebel <laughs> right yeah like, and that's Exactly. Richard talks about that all the time. He says he notices in kids who didn't have a container. Um, and particularly, he says, in the penal system. Mm-hmm. So they, they, most of them didn't have dads at home. And oftentimes their moms were absentee, not because they wanted to be, because somebody had to put food on the table. And they didn't have any container or rules built for them. And so then as adults, they fall into the state that becomes incomplete incredibly legalistic mm-hmm. because they didn't ever have it before. And so you want to give them something that can then turn upside down yes. later. And then I love his analogy is that it turns into an umbrella. So it's not a container anymore. It's something that is big enough to cover. You don't, it doesn't hold you. It covers you and keeps you safe inside of something greater than you can ever even imagine existed before. Oh, I it's love too big that. for a container. I love that. Um, that yeah, leave it so, to Richard. He's amazing. Right? He's so good. Yeah, no, I get He's his so little um, daily meditation, so I can't even imagine. Oh, and, and that's like that enough to just keep... coming out. It's supposed to be incredible. Oh, good. The I can't Divine wait. Dance. 
Oh yeah. My, oh, I can't wait. No, I, I'm the same as you with books. I love them. My parents owned a bookstore when I was growing up and my mom was a reading teacher. And so I have just books all over and all different kinds. I love to read what everyone's thinking, but um, I grew up Catholic and Richard Rohr was one of the people that um, a lot of people read um, and I was led mm -hmm. to him. And so, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, I am so sad because we have to go. We're like out of time and there's a million other things I know that you and I could talk about, but um, I just, there was a quote in your book and I just want to read this to you because I wrote it down and you said that I feel that God put, put certain people in our paths at certain times. I want somebody who is passionate about serving. That's who I want to help. And I just love that because I feel like this was serendipitous. Like I got a gift today and mm. I didn't even know I was going to get it. And I just feel like that's God saying to me, like a little, little kiss from God, like, keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep making those weird phone calls or uh, emails or whatever. And um, I just want to encourage other people to just how many blessings are just right around the corner. And, and if you just keep kind of following that next thing, my friend says, because my blog is called Great Big Yes. And she's like, yeah, but it's a lot of little yeses, right? So it's the next mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. It's that next open door, right? It's that next hello. It's that next phone call. And then it, it is kind of like the butterfly effect, right? It's like, and then the ripples just kind of start happening and it becomes- They start happening. Yeah, it becomes something so much bigger. And, and we don't know, it's like we get to be on the ride that God is like leading. We get to jump on, like what an honor and a privilege. It it really is. And I think I'm, again, I, I agree with you. I'm so grateful that you took the risk because it's a gift to me too. And I think that's the way that God works when you're moving in the right direction. And it is maybe just a bunch of yeses or, or maybe, you know, or try this or turn this other direction. It takes a million drops of water to make the ocean. So mm -hmm. one drop at a time, one little yes at a time, it turns into a great big yes. Because in the end, it really is, it is yes. Like at the end of your life, the, the answers were always yes. They just weren't probably the way that you thought they were going to go. But they were oftentimes even better, right? Yes. Amen. Awesome. Well, that is a perfect place um, to end it. I just, I wish you guys all the, um, all the success, the worldly success for sure, but mostly the success that comes from knowing that you've make it a, making a difference in people's lives and you're doing that. And it's really cool to watch. Thank you. Super exciting. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and being interested in what Eric and I do. And I, um, I also encourage and cheer you on for what you're doing. Keep on doing the good work that you're doing. You're touching people's lives that you don't know about and probably won't yeah. until you get to see them on the other side. But it's happening. It Thank just you. is. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. God bless you. All right. Bye. Bye.